0: What's going on, everyone? And welcome into Pleasant's podcast, filled to the brim with glitchy analysis and freezing cold takes that are boiling hot. Today, we've got our weekend recap. We also have Pleasant's Locks of the Day, which we finished the weekend, 3-1. We'll get into that later on. Next, we've got our World Cup coverage. The U.S. played today against Wales. We'll get into that later. And last but certainly not least, we're going to have the first ever We're going to have our first pleasant playoff college football rankings. Let's get into the show. First up, our weekend recap. We had some absolute slugfests and beatdowns in the NFL yesterday. All right. They were either monster games with super amazing comebacks and Close victories, or they were just absolute blowouts. Let's just take a look at my top three standout performances from some players yesterday. We had Tony Pollard, who I told you guys last Friday, he is that guy in Dallas now. He had 21 touches, 189 total yards, and two tubs. We'll take that all day. Congrats to Tony Pollard and his future success as the Cowboys' number one running back. Next up, we've got Travis Kelty, who is just putting up yet another hat trick on the season. He had six receptions, 115 yards, three touchdowns, one of which was the go-ahead to win the game against the Los Angeles Chargers late Sunday night. It was a phenomenal game to watch. And then last, but certainly not least, arguably the number one wide receiver in the NFL for at least the last two to three years, Devontae Adams put on a clinic against Pat Sertain and the Denver Broncos defense. They were horrendous, but Devontae walks away with seven receptions, 141 yards, and the game-winning touchdown to finally lift the Raiders out of this hole that they're in for now. Now, we also had some really exciting finishes. Like I said, the Raiders won an OT thanks to Devontae Adams. I mean, this matchup wasn't exactly the most exciting. It's the two most disappointing teams. They faced off for a battle of whose first-year head coach was going to be fired first. Between Nathaniel Hackett and his putrid clock management and offensive non-management, I guess. He's given up play calling. Thank goodness for Russell Wilson. Maybe he'll actually start to produce. Um, and also between the Raiders' Josh McDaniels, who just looks like he's started yet another tire fire like he did with the Denver Broncos in the late 2000s. Speaking of Russell Wilson, what has happened to this man? Okay, I see a social media post every single week about how Russell Wilson has not thrown as many touchdown passes this year as he does have bathrooms in his home. This man has thrown seven touchdown passes but has 12 toilets, 12 toilets, people, in his home. What are we doing? And when will he break this record? Because it won't be the next week or the next week probably. So for goodness sake, please, Russell Wilson, do some fire control, do some management of your PR and career, and just throw some touchdown passes, for goodness sakes. Next on the ballot of exciting finishes, we had the Patriots run back – Punt return touchdown for the win. Zach Wilson looked horrendous yesterday. Like I said that he would in my pleasant locks. We hammered that one home, baby. Minus three and a half for the Patriots. Although it's not the finish that I thought, the results were still the same, and that's what we like to see. Zach Wilson, like I said, only put up three points. After the game, the media asked him if he was at fault, if he owed the defense an apology, basically, Zach Wilson said, no, this man shows all types of signs of insecurities and immaturity. I honestly can't believe we're even having this conversation right now, but we need to put Joe Flacco back in for the New York Jets. They could have secured the number one seed in the AFC East if they would have won yesterday, but because of their loss to the Patriots, they are now last in the AFC East. That is a huge game for them to lose, and I can't believe we're not having this conversation three games ago with Zach Wilson. He's shown no signs of growth. And last but certainly not least on, on this nice little performance of exciting finishes in the NFL, we have the Kansas City Chiefs who put on yet another two-minute drill clinic with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelce just marching down the field to score another late-game touchdown. Justin Herbert at the end just couldn't get it done. The Chargers fall 27-30. to 30. Kansas City Chiefs now sit at the number one seat of the AFC. And we just have to honestly talk about how talented both of these teams were and are. Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes combined for 43 completions on 64 attempts, 609 yards, and five touchdowns. I mean, that is just phenomenal offense. But in all honesty, I have to give all of the credit this game to Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey are just a match made in heaven. I mean, they're all such high IQ uh, IQ players and coaches. I mean, do you guys remember that uh, media clip from NFL from Travis Kelsey being mic'd up last year in the playoffs? Uh, he secured the win by basically telling Tyreek Hill to repeat a route that he had run before, and it was just wide open for a completion that set up a Kansas City win. I just can't say enough about how utterly talented these guys are, both mentally, physically, and emotionally. I mean, maybe Zach Wilson should take a play out of their book for God's sakes. (laughs) This to me looks like these are going to be this year's Super Bowl champs. Um, I'm not really seeing another team who's doing it like them. There are some teams that are on the rise, but nobody is at their level right now. Uh, That's usually where it is around this time of the year. So. I guess we'll see where they end up in the in the final AFC standings. But moving on, we're going to roll right into our NBA coverage. The Suns blew out the New York Knicks last night, 116-95, and I just wanted to stop here and talk for a moment about Cameron Payne, who has been taking his spot as a point guard in the starting lineup for the Suns. This man is averaging 20 points, 6 assists, and 4 rebounds a game in the last 6 games while Chris Paul is out with an injury. I mean, that's phenomenal play. I saw him last night. He was the sole reason why the Suns were able to jump out to such an early lead. And he was also the reason a few nights ago uh, that the Warriors were not able to mount a comeback. He just kept knocking down three after three. Uh, I just wanted to give a compliment to his play recently. And maybe he can continue this and Chris Paul could maybe come off the bench. But that might be a pleasant freezing cold take. So we're going to go ahead and move on with the Kings that got a win late against the Pistons last night. The Kings are now 9-2 and in their last 11. And why is that? Personally, I think it's because the Aaron Fox and Montez Sabonis are just an extreme dynamic duo. Not to mention, after that trade last year, I mean, you could kind of see flashes of the Kings moving forward with a guard forward combo like that reminds me a lot of early Steph Curry and David Lee, if you guys remember that from like the 2012, 2013 Warriors. Both players very high IQ, uh, both very dynamic in what they can do with the basketball, Uh, both wonderful passers. But honestly, the, the compliments around both of these stars are just phenomenal. I have to give credit to the Sacramento Kings front office. I mean, they just did a great job with surrounding this team with shooters, defenders, and, and a, honestly a pretty good bench. I mean, maybe this is a playoff team that can finally end Sacramento's 16 year playoff drought. So now we're going to move on to probably the, the best team in the Pacific Division, maybe at the end of this year. The Golden State Warriors finally won their first road game last night, but it was thanks to Clay Thompson's vintage 41-point performance. He hit 10 threes to go along with Stephen Curry's 33 points and 15 assists. Both season highs for Curry and Thompson. Um, however, this win is still concerning to me. Um, why does it take 74 points, 10 rebounds, and 18 assists from a, an older Stephen Curry and an injury plate, Klay Thompson, to barely beat one of the worst teams in the NBA right now? And... What is clear to me now is the young guys are just not doing enough. And I think this is evidenced by the Warriors sending their center, James Wiseman, back down to the G League. I mean, a third-year lottery pick player going back down to the G League, maybe as a punishment? That just doesn't sound like that's going to be a good winning culture come playoff time. I could be wrong, but it's not looking well right now for the We'll see how they can bounce back on the defensive end in the upcoming games. And last but certainly not least for our NBA coverage today, we're going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets, okay? Ben Simmons has finally come around, and it is about time. The man is making millions upon millions of dollars. The least he could do is maybe play like he did three years ago. He had 22-8-5 and five against the Trailblazers the other night. And if he can just, like I said, get back to how he was playing with the 76ers, not even three years ago, maybe even a couple years ago, (sighs) the Nets could actually be playing winning basketball. Uh, Kyrie Irving came back last night after being on an eight-game suspension uh, because of his comments about uh, Jewish people and his link to an anti-Semitic. Uh, video based on a book. Um, not exactly sure what that's about, but at the same time, I mean, am I surprised that Kyrie Irving is doing this to himself? Absolutely not. Um, it, honestly, if he can just stay out of his own way, the Brooklyn Nets might actually be able to make some noise in the playoffs, unlike uh, last year where they got swept by a Boston Celtics team who I genuinely think are not as good as the Nets. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are just off a 2-0 and heater we're going to get right into Pleasant's locks. We went 3-1 and one on the weekend. Oklahoma upset our one loss. Uh, it, we had Oklahoma State plus 7.5. Um, James Droz was there, uh, and they they did his signature. What happened after the game? I mean, honestly, Oklahoma was probably just – fully powered by that uh, alone, knowing he was there in the stadium to give them that kind of boost and energy. Uh, but now we're going to move into our locks today. First lock of the day, and I know I shouldn't be talking about this because it's college basketball, but I don't care. Lock it in baby, Georgia minus three and a half versus St. Joseph's. Why am I picking this? God only knows. Maybe I'm desperate for a, a, a kind of a lob up win, but I do think I have some facts. back up this claim and it's because of St. Joseph's bench. I don't think they have any bench depth. I mean, they're not a power five school, so they don't exactly have the the talented scholarship players like Georgia does. But in their last three games, St. Joseph's bench is averaging nine points per game on 24% shooting. Meanwhile, the Bulldogs bench is averaging 25 points per game on 39% shooting. Not one of the best benches in the league, but definitely better than St. Joseph's. I think this gap is going to come between midway of the first half and midway through the second half when those bench players come in. And St. Joseph's bench not being able to uh, compete is probably going to be the difference maker. I probably look for St. Joseph's to make a run late, but I mean it. I mean what I'm saying. Lock it in, baby. This is it. This is the one. Now next, we're doing another college basketball play. Why? Why not? Duke minus 24 versus Bellarmine. I mean, look, Duke lost to Kansas, yes. But this is just such an easy pick for me. I am so surprised that the line isn't like 35 or 36. And I actually wrote that before I went and looked at Duke's other games. Duke is winning by actually 35.66 points per game versus every other opponent they faced other than Kansas. I think we're gonna see this Duke walk-on crew that they've got. I think we'll probably see them a little after halftime which will not surprise me at all. Bellarmine had a really hard time staying competitive with Clemson, who can't even uh, shine a light on Duke, honestly. I mean, obviously their talent is top five in the entire college football world. I really don't think that Bellarmine is going to be able to stay competitive within the first five or six minutes of Duke. And that's gonna do it for our locks here. Now let's get into some World Cup coverage, all right? I watched the entire game today. I am not a soccer expert. Let me just go ahead and put that out there for all you soccer listeners who think, oh, here comes Plaisant. Here he is commenting about a game that he doesn't know about. I know. I'm just going to report some of the facts and give my own humble opinion. Okay? So the U.S. ended their first World Cup game since 2014 uh, with a 1-1 tie against Wales. The first half had plenty of action, but most importantly, the U.S. controlled the ball for the majority of the first half. And they also had a beautiful goal by Timothy Wahey in the 36th minute that put them up 1-0 to end the first 45 minutes. However, the U.S. lacked the energy to carry over that momentum into the second half. They, <laughs> There were a lot of stoppages of play all over the field, uh, one of which ended with a penalty kick from Wales' Gareth Bale to tie the game at one apiece. Um... I want to preface this again with, I don't know much about soccer, but I do think this was a missed opportunity by the US to really kind of lock in a bid to go further in the World Cup. Players kind of looked nervous in the beginning, but overcame that as time went on in the first half. However, what the men's team didn't really overcome was Wales pressing on both offense and defense in the second half i mean obviously wales is just as desperate as the u.s to move forward in the world cup so as time went on in the second half the pressure continued to build on the u.s to maintain this 1-0 lead um and it honestly just proved too much for them to handle Um, i think that the u.s could learn from this but i'm not exactly sure i guess we're going to see in our matchup against england this black friday Um, I don't know how well that's going to go, but we'll see. All right. And last but certainly not least, I should have done this a while ago, but we're doing it today right before the end of the season. We've got Pleasant's college football playoff rankings. All right. Now this isn't what the committee is going to select. This is just what I decided are the 10 best teams in college football. Number one, Georgia, obviously. It's, they're by far the best team in college football. They're not as dominant as they were last year, but the teams that they're uh, potentially up against in the playoff, they're not as good as last year's. Next, we got Ohio State at number two. Their offense is probably the best in the country. Their defense just does enough to keep them in second. I think that's all I have to say about Ohio State. They played pretty well against Maryland. Um, next up, this is going to surprise people. I have TCU. I think this team is going to go to the college football playoff i think the one potential upset was versus baylor this past weekend and they finally overcame that hurdle uh in their 5-0 versus ap top 25 teams um it, it they've won in all fashions they've won in beat downs they've won in last seconds they've just won like good college football matches um they've also gone up against some of the best schools in the nation and beaten them so i'm pretty impressed by max duggan and his story is pretty inspirational um I do think that tcu is this year's cinderella team next up we have another surprising number four i put lsu at number four i think there are really only two teams that can compete for a title this year but since october 15th the tigers have been trying to prove me wrong Jaden daniels might be a top five quarterback this year but it's very very low key um, I would not be surprised if LSU was able to sneak in, if they can beat Georgia in the SEC championship game somehow. But for right now, they're definitely my number four team. My number five team is also going to surprise some people. I've got USC at number five. This offense is looking primetime. It reminds me a lot of the offense that Lincoln Riley ran uh, with Jalen Hurts in 2019. I think this team scores so many points that it doesn't even matter how bad they are on defense until it comes to playoff time. Uh, For now, though, I do think they're going to win the Pac-12. and I do think their potential dark horse make the championship if they can get the best wide receiver in the nation, Jordan Addison, healthy. Now, finally, number six, we've got Michigan. Now, most people have Michigan as the third or fourth best team in the country. I've got them at six, and I think last weekend's game against Illinois was the exposure that people needed to see on this Wolverine team. J.J. McCarthy has not progressed this year at all. The Wolverines have been backpacked by their running game, and it's not probably not going to change come this Ohio State game. Um, it honestly probably will be, end up being the determinant in that game. I don't think that J.J. McCarthy is built to go in uh, to Ohio State Eat the Buckeyes. I could stand to be corrected, so I guess we'll see there. Number seven, Alabama. There's not a lot to be said. Simply put, this Alabama team—they're just not it this year. Finishing ten and two is not as bad uh, for other teams as it is Alabama. Um, I mean, honestly, this season is just an utter failure. It's championship or bust every year. Um, only beating Austin P thirty-four to zero is exactly what I'm talking about when I'm saying. Alabama is just not that Alabama team this year, and that's okay. This could be a rebuilding year. Uh, We'll see what Nick Saban has to do in the offseason. Number eight, I've got Clemson. Now, (laughs) this team, quite frankly, just has a massive quarterback problem. uh, Getting shown up by an 8-3 Notre Dame team who lost to Marshall at home, it it just goes to show this team belongs nowhere near the college football playoff. I I know the committee's not listening, but if I could just send this to a college football playoff committee member, please do not even consider Clemson for the college football playoffs. No one wants to see in utter beatdown by any of these other teams. Next up, we've got Oregon. I mean, I think that this is one of the most explosive offenses in the country, and I do think they'll give USC a run for their money in the Pac-12 championship. That's really all I have to say about that. Uh, Bo Nix is playing pretty well. Um, He got kind of banged up in the upset loss to Washington, but I think Oregon's gonna get back on track and maybe make a run in the Pac-12 championship. Last up, Tennessee. This is honestly, I didn't think I'd be this sad about talking about Tennessee, but now that we know that Hendon Hooker towards ACL, the season is really over for Tennessee, this was a pretty disappointing way for their season to end. Um, However, if there was any team to screw up their college football playoff chances uh, against an average team like South Carolina, it is those bright orange balls. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to do it for Pleasant's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we'll see you tomorrow for some more glitchy analysis and freezing cold takes.